Welcome back to your weekly dose of shock therapy brought to you by the Say It Again Network. Tyler Lawrence, Zach Alfers. How you doing, Zach? How'd your vacation go? Oh, yeah. I got to go out to Montana. My cousin was getting married, and it is such a beautiful country out there. I don't know if you've ever been to Montana. It's it's so nice, so spread out. Everyone's so nice. Um, and it was such, it's a, I don't really get to see that side of the family a whole lot. So, And when we do, uh, we like to party. So that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, really like seeing that part of the family, and the, the wedding was just awesome. That sounds awesome. I haven't been out there. We try to make a trip to go backpacking through Yellowstone. Uh, we tried going when it was kind of still snow on the ground, so we ended up backing out of those plans. But, man, that's awesome. I, I'd love to go to Yellowstone down there. It's a little further south, Montana, right? Yeah, I'm not sure really. I'm not even sure geographically. I'm really bad with geography. Yeah. Um, I just know there's a airport in Missoula I flow right in, and a, a lot of my family is from Missoula. So it, it's where the University of Montana is, and really, really cool little college town full of bars and, and breweries and has a cool vibe for sure. Well, glad you had fun. Today we're going to be talking about the recap for the Chargers versus the Washington football team. We got our W, and then we're going to talk a little bit about this Cowboys game we got coming up, this first game at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, I can't wait. So let's talk about the Chargers and the Washington football team. I have some stats here. So PFF grades. Uh, overall, we scored an 81.0, which was the third highest on offense, 78.3. We were the fifth highest PFF graded offense. Uh, we did not score very well in pass blocking, 57.4. I don't know what that's about. That gives, gives me like a what? That is strange. Uh, run blocking, we were seventh at 73.4. Defense, 72.5. That is the fifth highest. Uh, tackle, 71.2. That's sixth. Pass rush, 18th. Coverage, we were the best first with a 73.9 grade. And then our special teams was a 74.5, which ranked sixth. What do you think about some of those grades, specifically the pass blocking, which makes no sense to me? Well, I was going to say, we're, we're passing. We're going anywhere we went on an academic scholarship with those grades. But 50% pass blocking, I thought we were dominating for the most part against a very, very good defensive front. I, I have some stats that I want to get into later about that, but that that number definitely seems a bit off because... Sounds just, way off. Way I off. mean, we were definitely way better at pass blocking than we were at run blocking. I thought so. That saying that we were just average, like right in the middle of the pack against the best defensive front in football. Well, that is that, unbelievable to me. Yeah. Doesn't make a, a whole lot of sense to me either. For players, our top graded offensive graded players was Justin Herbert with an 84.7. He was the fifth highest graded quarterback. Uh, Mike Williams, 79.7. He was the 15th highest graded wide receiver. Kenny Allen, 75.3. He was the 33rd, which also makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Uh, Rayshon Slater was the 14th best offensive tackle with a 73.5. On the defensive grades, uh, Derwin James was the Second highest with a 90.0 for safeties. Joey Bosa, 82.8, which was the 16th highest. Kaiser White was the third highest graded linebacker, 82.6. And Chris Harris Jr., uh, 76.6. He was the 10th highest cornerback. Uh, some interesting players on there. Uh, number one, Mike Williams. We'll get into to some of the recap there. Uh, but Mike Williams had himself a great day. Uh, he did have two drops. One was an, uh, a touchdown in the end zone that just didn't look too good. 
Uh, but overall, we had some players that graded pretty highly in comparison to the rest of the NFL at their position. Well, and I think as they should, I thought all of those players who are, are up there on the list had, a, had phenomenal games. And for me, I really love just the energy that we started this game with on both sides. Obviously, Starting off the first drive of the year with a touchdown. I mean, how much that, better can that get, right? Not much better. Be, I mean, we were humming. It looked like we were in midseason form. And then I really thought the biggest part was you flip that, you put our defense on the field, and the Washington football team had three very tough plays, had to punt it. That's You can't start a football game better than that. That's what championship teams do, and I, I love to see that the first two possessions from both units. So let's talk about the good. What are some of the good parts to take away from this game, do you think? Well, so, yeah, back to the PFF grade. I think Herbert was amazing. I think Keenan showed out, and if he continues to do what he did, he's on pace for 1,700 yards. But to me, I think the key offensively for the Chargers, I thought we played outstanding on the offensive line. I think, and I think that was a big matchup to monitor going in was how is this new offensive line going to fare against what was a, is a pretty good defensive front in Washington. And I thought for the most part, we played very, very well. Lindsley, I thought is an absolute beast. I think he showed why he's one of the best linemen in the game. I don't think you can make a better pro debut than Rayshon Slater at left tackle. I don't think you can make a better pro debut. At any I don't know how he's not even on the list for rookie of the week. Like it's, he shut out both, both player, both uh, edge rushers over there in Washington. Well, they were Chase hiding Young, from him. They didn't want anything Chase, to do with him. Chase Young was playing so bad that he had to flip to the other side and let Montez exactly. Sweat get beat I up can. too. 50, 49 pass protection snaps, no pressures, no penalties, getting hit in the f- face illegally, no calls. He doesn't care. I, I That was awesome to see because both of those guys were new additions. We needed to have big years, and they did not disappoint, I think, in their first performances in Charger jerseys. Now, I really wasn't expecting the performance I saw from Ode Abushi. Oh, my came, gosh. He came to play. We had three starters on the offensive line give no pressures. That is outstanding against really a really, really good interior part of that defensive line. I mean, Jonathan Allen was pretty much a non-factor when he was lined up between between Odeabushi and Corey Lindsley. It was definitely something that, I mean, it can't get any better than that game, ultimately, Um, against that front. Well, and those three were super impressive. And I think, like Matt Filer, I think he had a decent showing, but it's just not like outstanding like those other three. So I think yeah. he gets a little overshadowed by the other three. I think Belaga was playing all right. And then I like, guess the last guy I want to talk about is Storm Norton because I thought on Sunday, I thought we saw a pretty decent football player. Not the awful, doesn't belong on the football field guy we saw throughout training camp. So I really was impressed to see his performance. I know he gave up a sack. He gave he had a, he gave up a penalty, but besides those two things, I thought he played really well, especially since nobody was really expecting much from him. And like, no. let's get this straight: Washington football team, their defensive front is still very, very good. Our offensive line just outplayed them. And it's not something you typically see week one. Like you might see that kind of in the middle of the season once you know some of that chemistry gets built. This is week one where there's supposed to be errors. There's supposed to be issues. And they did not have very much bad to say at all. 
No, that's perfect. I mean, that's perfect as per as close as perfect can get on a football field. Your top three guys not giving up any pressures. What can you ask for a, a brand new offensive line? You know, I got really excited with Rayshon Slater that that rematch uh, because he really showed out, and I actually uh, I added uh, Baldy. And I told him to do a breakdown on, on Twitter, yeah. over Twitter. And he he went and did the breakdown. He replied to me. I thought that was awesome. He really did show out. He did miss a few blocks in the run game. But overall, he was still moving guys off the line. He was a big reason why Austin Eckler scored that touchdown mm-hmm. down there in the red zone. He he was moving guys off the ball. He looks agile out there. They He got put out on an island quite a bit out there. And he didn't have any problems standing up to that. He's a force, yeah. So the offensive line is something really, really nice to take away from it because they're not going to play a better football team up front. Maybe Denver, but ultimately they were that was that team was the best defensive line in football last season, and they returned all their starters and they all got an extra year of development because we were talking about it. That's a young defensive line. They mm-hmm. got better, yeah. no doubt about it. They got better from last year to this year, and we had no problem stopping that. And what's going to be fun is, you know, there's a lot of talk like, oh, maybe they aren't that good. No, they're going to drop like five, six sacks this week. You watch. And oh, they everyone... are. Tomorrow. I think they play tomorrow, right? Oh, yeah. They do have a short week. Yeah, they do have a short week. One of the other positives I wanted to take away was Mike Williams. Mike Williams did a hell of a job out there. You know, he he does a lot better job boxing out defenders and being more of a contested catch guy. Uh, kind of in that intermediate part of the field. And he seems to understand like his weakness as a route runner. And he's using his size to create separation in place of his agility. So Lombardi also really he utilized Williams in like spacing concept and quick passes right off the line of scrimmage. Uh, a big part of their game plan this week was getting the ball out of their hand fast. But, you know, Herbert was able to actually drop back a couple times and and he didn't, we didn't connect on a whole lot of deep routes, but he, he had all the time to throw out there. And Mike Williams, I know he had those two drops. I know that kind of dropped his PFF grade a little bit. The one that I, I really think about is the, the touchdown. I mean, he was out there by himself. It hit him in his hands, and he just couldn't come down with it. But he made up for it on that little fade route where he was thrown to the back shoulder kind of low, and he ended up catching that ball. That's not where I usually expect Mike Williams to excel at is you know, he that that's kind of a, a route concept where he's coming back toward the pylon to go and catch that. That's a that's a route running type of thing. And, you know, he was able to use his body, his mass and really just body the defender and create that separation and use those long, lengthy arms to extend and catch that ball. So it is nice seeing that from Mike Williams. I was not thinking we were going to see Mike Williams in this offense, in this short passing offense, anywhere near to the, the point that we did. No, and I think, no, and I think it. You got to put a lot of give a lot of credit to Joe or uh, Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi, because that seems to me all scheme. Because this was a guy where like he can't run routes, and Joe's like watch him. I I thought he was feasting on those intermediate routes, and I can't wait till we do those little dinkers up 15, 20 yarders, and then just hit him over the top. It's coming, and I can't wait to start taking some shots deep. You know, speaking of that deep shot that they did take where he dropped that pass in the end zone, he gave, it wasn't very nice, but he gave a little stutter step, made it look like he was taking a slant in and he goes up and you know, that's all he needed. That's all he needed. He lulled the defense asleep and that cornerback, he bit on it and he Mm -hmm. recovered, 
but Mike Williams has that radius, that huge long arms to reach yeah. out there. And he, he should have come down with that. I um, thought so. But that is a big part. Even Keenan's been praising Mike Williams, his his growth and his release. And I think that that play kind of exemplifies it. He's getting off the line a lot better than he has in his first couple of seasons. And, you know, he made some tough contested catches out there as well. There was the uh, the third down conversion where it was just a stick route, right? Just run up, get right in front of the line, the, the third down marker and come down with it. And he made a couple tough grabs, but he he's understanding that, you know, he's got this big body. He can bother, body some of these smaller cornerbacks. And I think that's going to be a staple of his game this season. That's what it looks like, at least. Uh, the other good thing I want to take away is our pass defense. I mean... Granted, you know, Fitzmagic went down with injury and I wasn't really expecting a backup quarterback to do a whole lot. But, man, our pass defense was really preventing guys through the air. I mean, we allowed just 133 yards. Uh, Nasir Adderley should have gotten an interception on that crazy 34 yard gain. But if you if, if he even bats that away, I mean, the Washington football team passes for under 100 yards on that. That was 34 yards. They only had 133 I was really surprised that Terry McLaurin came down with that that catch. That was a, a terrific catch. Yeah, that guy's good. For me, I think my key defensively was how great we performed on third down. I thought we were an absolute nightmare in those scenarios, and I thought it really prevented Washington from really being able to put any type of drive together. And I really loved just the defensive approach Daly has, you know, he wants to put the pressure on the opposing team. So he's okay with giving up a couple yards here and there on early downs, forcing them into a ton of third down conversions. And they did not respond well converted on three of 10 and only managed to pick up 15 first downs the entire game. I thought that allowed us to dominate the possession and really control the tempo of the entire game. I mean, you, when you look at it, our time of possession was like 36, 37 minutes, something like that. To 20 and- something. Yeah. Yeah, it's a twenty something. I mean, that's that's a big difference when you're you're looking at a team, especially the Washington football team. They were able to run the ball pretty successfully. I mean, they had I think right around ninety to a hundred yards rushing, and they somehow didn't control the game clock, which is something that you typically see out of a team that's you know rushing the ball. Right. Well, it was successfully. They were they weren't sustaining drives. They had very. I think they only had two drives over ten plays when we had about four or five. So that's it right there. We had the long drives. They were constant. They were having short drives, getting stalled out in the midfield. They couldn't put those long drives together. And I think that goes back to our outstanding third down defense. Do you have any other positives to take away? Um, I really like the fact that this team under Staley. We kicked a lot of trends that kind of plagued teams of the past. First off, we won a close game. I've been saying all week that Anthony Lynn would have found a thousand different ways to coach that one away. <laughs> he would have. I, I, he would have. Also, we got off to a really hot start, something that we didn't really do often under Lynn. And then we traveled to the East Coast in the 10 a.m. slot. We've historically played awful there. We used to get beat down by the 0-16 Dolphins back in the oh day. Oh, my gosh. I remember that game. And we, we kicked a lot of trends that Charger teams of the past have struggled with. So it's it's good to see. We've kind of felt that this is going to be a new team. That kind of points in that direction. So negative takeaways. The number one thing I got is drop passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have a couple of them. I know Mike Williams had two. Jalen Guyton had one. 
Uh, Keenan Allen had one and Jared Cook had one. Uh, some of them were tough, tough catches, though. It's not like those were just gimmies. I mean, you look at the Keenan Allen drop, that that was at his helmet as soon as he turned around. Oh, uh, Jalen Guyton, go ahead. I thought that he I thought he should have came down with that one. I think he should have came down, but when you're looking when you're looking at it in real time, I mean as soon as he's turned his head around, it was right there like and it was like in an awkward position cuz he had to like move his hand up and it just he it just was one of those bang bang like really quick quick uh turn around and catch it type of scenarios. Uh, Jalen Guyton just not looking for the ball at all. Yeah. I don't remember the the Jared Cook one doesn't stand out to me. Uh, and then one of the other drop passes was Mike Williams. I think it was like on a third down conversion. Uh, he just didn't come up with it. It happens. It was one of those bing bing plays again, where it's kind of a hard catch. But ultimately, you know, they were credited with five, according to PFF. I know ESPN has them at seven drop passes. Got to come down with more of those, especially when you're throwing the ball, you know, 50 times a game. Sure. For me, I'm just looking just at, at the mental mistakes and they really came from some guys that you don't see making those type of mistakes. And I'm just talking about Joey Bosa with those two roughing the passer penalties. And one of them that, was hard though. Like one the, of them was hard. The second one is not on him, but the first one to me was brutal because at that time in the game, we were up 13 to six and it was looking like we were kind of going to put it away. We had all the momentum in the world. We we're going to get the ball back and head in the halftime with, a nice lead and he commits that penalty Washington at the football. end of the second half at the end of the first half end yeah. of the first half you're right yeah able to drive down kick the field goal and that breath I don't know breathe new life into them they were looked dead in the water up yeah to that they were point. about the punt they were about yeah. the punt on like third and ten deep in there like we could have I think we still had a timeout at that time we could have you well, know taken a shot there and even gotten back yeah. into we were on a groove. We were rolling, and they were looking like we were going to blow them out in their own building. That penalty kind of allowed them to get back in the game. And as a as a whole team, we finished with 96 yards and penalties. That That is just something great teams don't do. Those are those hidden yards, and that's that's a killer, especially for a team that only gained you know 250 total yards in the yeah. entire game, and we gave them 100. And. Exactly. So I, I think if we're going to be as good as we think we can be, those need to be cut down. Also, I thought we started the game awesome. We finished the game like champions. It got a little gray there in the middle. I'd love to see us to put put four complete quarters together. Uh, ultimately, I think Nasir Adderley had a, a down game. I, I mean, he missed that interception. He gave up the, the touchdown to Logan Thomas, kind of just having bad leverage in his coverage in the red zone. I mean, you want to be right up on top of your guy. You want to be in his hip in that situation. And he found himself over the top and somehow like even in front of him on an out route, which was kind of strange and weird. He just put himself in bad position. I know on that long Asante Samuel uh, pass interference, Mm. uh, you know, Brandon Staley said that he had kind of the wrong leverage there. And I went back and looked at it. For whatever reason, he has kind of that deep middle zone, and he was kind of playing up, kind of going over at crosser, and that, you know, that forced Asante Samuel to adjust to that. And you know, he almost came down with an interception on that, which was amazing to see that recovery. Yeah. Um, but Nasir Ederly did. He had he made too many mental mistakes in that game. That really, I mean, he he was in position a lot of the times, even on that touchdown. 
Uh, he was in position. He just needed to to drive on the ball and drive on it in the correct way. And he found himself out of position. He moved himself out of position. He was there to make the play. And, you know, I, I think that he needs to improve it. I think he's got some game tape to go watch and, and make those adjustments. But ultimately, Nasir Adderley did not have a great, great day. Any other negatives you want to take away? I think that's it for the negatives. Um, I yeah, got I, two more then. So go ahead. Keep being negative then. Yeah, I got two <laughs> more. So one of them being Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler didn't have a bad game. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't game-planned into the game very much. And I think part of it is that we were able to throw the ball kind of down the field. But I can't remember too many screens being thrown all game long, which was something I thought was going to be a big part of the game plan because – of the pass rush and you can take advantage right. of that. He just wasn't, I know he got the touchdown. He just wasn't in the game. It didn't seem like at all. And then the other one being another player who didn't play much, uh, not near, none of these are bad, bad things, just kind of negatives to take away from the game plan. Drew Tranquil had like 16 mm-hmm. total snaps, which is strange. Granted, Kaiser White has come on really, really strong yep. this off season. But it just seems weird that Tranquil, who I think could be a starter for a lot of different teams, is just kind of regulated special teams. I just I want to see Tranquil on the field more. I think he's a baller. I think he's a guy that uh, we can rely on, especially if one of those two linebackers goes down to injury. But it looks like his coming out season already after week one isn't going to be till next season. So, well, yeah, I, I hope we do get him involved because he's just that. He plays really well in that role as a reserve linebacker, and he's just a big play waiting to happen. So he doesn't need starter reps, just more than 16. Right. So I, I do want to see Tranquil maybe even subbing him in will, you know, get some rest to Murray and, and Kaiser White and help keep them a little more healthy for, you know, a longer season. It's nice having that depth. I'm mm-hmm. sure he's going to get some playing time at some point this season but I, I do want to see him subbed in a little bit more, give those breathers. It takes some, some strain off the body of, you know, linebackers who take a lot of strength to their body. Uh, so that's something to monitor. Moving on to the Cowboys first, the Los Angeles Chargers. They play at SoFi Stadium. The Cowboys lost last Thursday to the, uh, to the Buccaneers, uh, September 19th at 425 Eastern time, 125 Pacific time. You can watch the game on CBS. Jim Nance and Tony Romo will be your your announcers. I am stoked because I love anytime I get to hear Tony Romo I do like calling Romo. games. I do uh, like the, Romo. I wonder if we're going to get the Dallas bias, though. I definitely think we will. But, I mean, Tony Romo was also the first person to call Herbert's game. Mm. So that's, I'm excited right. about that. The injury reports for the Cowboys is significant. Yeah. So they had a lot of players hit IR last week. Neville Gallimore, uh, Michael Gallup, who's out with a calf string, Kelvin Joseph, and the new one as of today, Demarcus Lawrence broke his foot. Uh, that's four players. Plus they had another four lesser known players hit the IR. That's eight in one week. Uh, defensive back Donovan Wilson is questionable. Uh, Randy Gregory may be out due to COVID. And oh, then exactly. they he is officially ruled out now. He is officially ruled out. Yeah. So that right off the bat is like 10 players. Uh, also, Lael Collins just was suspended for six games. Um, it's just that's a lot of different players there. Um, and then today, did you mention Demarcus Lawrence? 
Yeah, Demarcus Lawrence with the broken foot. Brutal. The Cowboys are a totally different team than they were last week, which is incredible to see that big. I mean, a quarter of their team just turned over to, to injury, to ridiculous PED suspension. Um, they they were hit really, really hard last week. Yeah, brutal. Yeah, especially coming off a tough loss. Like, you, they were in that game, had a serious chance to win it, and... Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. That is a brutal, just coming off a tough loss. You know those guys are hungry, and they're coming in practice. They're hitting it hard. They got extra 10 days of rest just to get hit with the injury bug. That's unfortunate. You don't want to see that from anybody. I I want to beat the, the other team at their best, and so that that is always something unfortunate to see happen. It is brutal. I mean, the Cowboys offense won them their game. It was their defense that lost it. I mean, you put the ball back in Tom Brady's hand, but I it, that's it's going to be a totally different team than it was last week, which is insane. Yeah. Uh, as far as the Chargers injury report goes, Nasir Adderley is uh, did not practice. Brian Bulaga, Kyler Fackrell, Chris Harris Jr., and Duran James and Justin Jones are all dealing with minor injuries. Brian Bulaga's could be a little more than minor. Uh, we we I know he's was out for like half the game uh, due to a back injury. He's also got some sort of groin injury. If I'm looking at this Cowboys team that really lost a lot, especially when they don't have Demarcus Lawrence on the field, uh, I might just sit him this week, give him an extra week to heal. Um, Storm Norton could use the experience. And I I think I'm much more comfortable um, starting Storm Norton this would have been last week so i think that makes a lot of sense to to heal your veteran and get him healthy for the the season i'm all on board with that i think like you said if if there's a game to do it it'd be right now early in the season against what is not going to be a very good uh, pass rush unit i mean they're losing randy gregory and they just lost to marcus lawrence if there was a week to sit your starter this has got to be the week for it right Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the Cowboys offense. How do you feeling about the Cowboys offense? So I think they're honestly, I thought I was really impressed with Dak's performance against the, the Buccaneers. I thought, especially coming off of his injury, I thought he was going to kind of struggle, but you could tell he was breathing confidence and it rubbed off on their entire team. So I really liked his leadership, you could tell he's the captain of that offense. But to me, I'm looking at how our corners are going to match up and try to slow down 
Dallas's top two pass catchers being Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb. Because on Thursday, those dudes were on fire. Cooper finished with 139 yards and two touchdowns. Lamb had 104 yards plus a score. And the thing that I that just jumps out to me is the targets those two guys commanded. Cooper had 16, Lamb had 15, and Dak only threw the ball 58 times. So just quick math for you. That's over 50% of Dallas's targets went to either Cooper or Lamb. So that tells me that, you know, that's their offense right there. If we could slow one or one of those guys down, I think we're going to have a really easy game. If we could shut both of them down, we're going to blow them out. Yeah, Dak had a phenomenal comeback against the Super Bowl champs. I mean, he passed for, like you just said, 403 yards, three touchdowns. And like you said, they have that one-two punch there, a wide receiver. Mari Cooper is a stud. He is one of the top five route runners in the NFL. He just is. He has a knack for getting open. He makes incredible catches. Then you got C.D. Lamb, who's just so smooth. He's so smooth to watch. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to watch any of Hard Knocks this season, mm-hmm. but he was making plays all over the place. Um, so th- those wide receivers is going to be something to match up against, and really it's going to test our secondary the sure. way that it wasn't tested last week. Uh, if you look at their offensive line, it's not what it used to be kind of you know, five years ago when they had Travis Frederick there and Lyle Collins playing guard. But it's still pretty good. Connor Williams and Tyler Biadaz, they're, they're young players. I think both of them have only been in the league. Tyler Biadaz was drafted last year. I think Connor Williams is in his third or fourth year. They're newcomers on that offensive line, new starters. And they played fairly well considering they were up against Vita Vea, who, I mean, if you look at Vita Vea, he is what Linval Joseph was five years ago. I love he, Vea. Yeah, Vea gets interior pressure like no other player. And he does it, and he doesn't. He does it just bull rushing guys. I mean, he's three hundred and fifty pounds, and he just moves guys back. Connor Williams really, really struggled in his matchup with him. I mean, I, I remember one of the plays that we were watching on Thursday. Vea literally got a sack, moving Tyler Williams into the lap of Dak Prescott, and he didn't. Even, I don't think he even touched Dak. I think he just pushed Connor Williams right into him, and Dak fell down. The guy is a beast. He's he. I I just don't see Linval Joseph doing that at this point anymore. Um, and he's going to get another similar matchup with Linval Joseph, but we'll, we'll see just how well that interior, of that offensive line is. I know the other player that to keep an eye on Zach Martin. Zach Martin's still one of the best guards in football. I know he's getting up there in age, getting a little long in the tooth, but. I, I do see that Zeke is going to get more carries than he did last week, especially because I don't think we're going to be blitzing 50% of the time like the Bucks were. So that I, I do think they're going to have a little bit more of a run game. It's going to test our defense. Uh, we're going to see our linebackers, you know, being more involved than maybe they were last week. Our, well, and, yeah. And we're going to need, we're going to need them to step up because Antonio Gibson was, going off against us and he's not the running back that Zeke is either no and honestly I I, yeah I just do not want to see Zeke have his bounce back game against us not a good look I'd like to come in and shut his ass down for being honest so that's going to be a matchup to watch there is as I think Zeke's going to be more involved in the game plan I don't think that 
the Chargers are going to be blitzing anywhere to the amount that the Bucks were. There's going to be some more rushing lanes there. If anything, I think that the Washington offensive line is just the, the same to a little bit better than that of the, the Redskins, the Washington football team. Where do you want to call them? So we'll see. I, I do think Zeke's going to be a bigger part of their game plan. Uh, my matchup of the week is going to be Kenneth Murray versus Zeke. So that's something I want to see. I, I do see us playing some more five down linemen and freeing up Murray against Zeke. I think that's going to be a matchup to watch. I, I, Zeke's going to get 20 carries this week. I just don't see how he doesn't. Well, and he's one of your better players who just because of the game plan against Tampa was erased. I, I think he only had like 30 something total yards. So, yeah, they're going to want to get him involved. They're, they're going to need to get him involved. They're not going to be able to beat us on just pure passing alone. Well, I mean, part of the reason those passing that passing game was open is because they were blitzing 50%. The Buccaneers were playing so much man coverage out there, so it seemed like they were in zero constantly over and over and over again. So it is a matchup to watch. We're not going to be blitzing like that. We're going to give them some more, some more running lanes to, you know, sure. Deep often last week, he threw on first down over 60% of the time, which is far different than the 45% of the time he threw on first down last season. There is a huge, huge weakness to the Cowboys secondary. Mike Williams, Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer, they're all going to get targets. Uh, the Cowboys defensive line took two hits with Demarcus Lawrence and Neville Gallimore on the interior. The Chargers are going to be better than they were last week at protecting the passer because I don't think that this defensive line is anywhere near as good as the Washington football team. Uh, the well, offense, go ahead. Herbert's going to have our record breaking quarterbacks can just have a field day against this team because that's my next point. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, then go ahead. Yeah, that's my next point. So the offense is going to explode through the air. They are, because when you look at that defense versus this defense, that secondary versus this secondary, this is a far inferior team. And Herbert had 337 yards through the air last week. Mm -hmm. This week, it's going to be enormous. Well, and so that, yeah, that was my matchup too, to look at. And even before coming into before Thursday's game, PFF had Dallas's defensive line as the 27th in the league. That was with Demarcus Lawrence and with Randy Gregory. Right. Washington's number two on that list. So, and you mentioned it against Tampa, no sacks, no tackles, two quarterback hits. They lose their two best players. And that, that is the recipe for Herbert's next 400 yard passing game. I, I think the X factor really is going to be, Michael Parsons. I, I know he's playing Sam linebacker for them, but he has the athleticism to play defensive end in their four, three. I wonder if they keep him Cause I think in that Thursday game, young, it is just one game. He's shown. He's like a guy you don't want to really take off the field. He's good. Right. I thought he played really well. He and played so, very, very well. I thought so. So what, what it would be interesting to see if they're going to deploy him at defensive end or keep him where he's at either way, we're going to get some backups that, we're not supposed to be playing in this game. And I just see her Herbert carving them up. You know, let's talk about the Cowboys linebacking room because it's pretty good, right? So you have 
uh, Vander Esch out there. You have Jalen Smith and you have, uh, what's his name? Michael Parsons. You've got those three linebackers there, right? Not all three are going to get on the field at the same time. Jalen Smith was the, the player that came out most during that game. Why wouldn't you put Michael Parsons at edge? Those are, yeah, those are three very good players. That is a good point. I, well, Why I wouldn't you answers, like that? I think you, that answers my question. Yeah. Yeah. You, Jalen Smith isn't an, an edge rusher. Neither <laughs> is Vander Esch. They moved Mike Parsons kind of all the way around. I know he played some on edge yeah. uh, during the Buccaneers game, but he's your next best pass rusher. He is. Yeah. yeah. And I think even, it makes a lot of sense to, to put him at edge if both your top two edge rushers are out. You're that kid that was on hard knocks this season. He's not the answer. I mean, he's a developmental piece. I know he made the 53-man roster. Michael Parsons has to go to edge this game. He has to. They don't have anybody else to fill that role. No, and it's such an important position on that defense. You're, you're really handing us the game if you roll out your third and fourth defensive end. You, Yeah, you are, especially when this offensive line played as well as they mm-hmm. did last week. So the Cowboys secondary, we're just talking about it. It's not very good. Anthony Brown, Trayvon Diggs, Donovan Wilson, uh, KZ, and then you got Jordan Lewis out there. The only player that's worth any salt there is Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs played really, really well against uh, Mike, Mike Evans. Mike Evans. He played very, very well. Mike Evans was like eliminated from the game plan. Now, Diggs did struggle a little bit, at least on hard knocks, covering their wide receivers. It's going to be a different matchup, and that's one of the matchups I have kind of circled is Trayvon Diggs. I think he's going to follow Keenan Allen. I haven't talked about Keenan Allen much because, I mean, I think Keenan Allen already showed out. We already know what he's able to do, but he didn't have anybody he was really matching up against against the Washington football team. That's going to be my key matchup to watch. I think that's going to be something to monitor is how does Trayvon Diggs in his second year match up with Keenan Allen? Well, and that'll be interesting. I'm just going to piggyback off of it because if he does follow him, Herbert or Herbert Allen likes to take most of his snaps from the slot. So if he's covering, if that's your best corner and he's coming in, I'm looking at their outside guys. Why not get them involved? Go stay away from Trayvon Diggs. Obviously it's Allen. So we're going to have to get him involved, but I would like to take some shots on the outside, especially if if he's going to be shadowing Keenan. Which makes me think that Keenan Allen isn't going to be the big part of this game plan. I think it's going to be a lot of Mike Williams. I think Jalen Guyton. I think Josh Palmer. I I see some of those other players taking those reps, getting those targets. I think Keenan Allen is going to be more of a, uh, a decoy this week because Allen isn't the fastest player. He's got great route running, but ultimately... What beats route running is speed, and Trayvon Diggs has speed. Yeah, phenomenal recovery speed. He he really is a perfect complement to kind of to try to guard Keenan. I don't yeah. think you can really erase a guy like that, but try your best. I think um, Allen's still going to get probably like six, seven targets, yeah. but I don't see this being the game that we focus on him during our game plan. Why, well, why I, when the rest of the secondary is so bad? No, I agree with you. And I think this coaching staff is kind of too smart to play into the strengths of the opponent, right? We've been talking right. about it all off season. 
we're going to stay away from that. We're going to stay away from your best player, and we're going to force your backup guys to beat us. So and. And Mike Williams has already said he it looks like the Buccaneers had fun. The the wide receivers for the Buccaneers looks like they had fun. Yeah. I'm hoping that he says that again. I, I want to see it. I want to see it. That's awesome. For me, you mentioned it earlier for last week. I want to see Austin Eckler get more involved in this offense. He carried the ball 15 times last week for 57 yards and a touchdown, but wasn't targeted a single time. I think that's where he excels. And I really thought that was the only part missing from the offense, right? No screens, no getting the – I think one – it was only Justin Jackson, the only re- uh, running back with a reception. I was like for two yards, not a whole lot. Um, I definitely think it's a load management thing because, you know, Eckler wasn't completely healthy. He was questionable coming in all week. So maybe it's a game plan. Maybe it's trying to preserve one of our superstars, I'm hoping, because I want to see Eckler with the ball in space. Get him some screens. I stand by my statement of earlier in the offseason. I think he's the, one of the best route runners from the running back position. I really liked seeing him, you know, lined up as a receiver when we were spreading it out against Washington. So now I'm just hoping he can get healthy. We can pass him the ball because 15 carries I thought was a lot for him. I'd like moving forward for that number to be more like 10 and then to get seven or eight targets a game. So that's my key on off- offense. I want. I, I need some more air guitars this weekend i feel like i have a fever i have a fever tyler the only prescription is some more air guitar and i need to see eckler get involved in this offense man i uh i am looking to see that i'm thinking part of that might have been by design that you know we weren't getting eckler involved quite as much because we didn't need to i think once i think there might have been a game plan for him to get those plays but when the flow of the game was going and you were able to take some of those shots in the intermediate part of the field. Mm-hmm. I think it made a lot of sense to, you know, not go his way. Plus it kind of lulls the the game plan of the next game asleep, right? Like, you know, when you're looking at all of the targets Mike Williams was getting, when you're looking at all the targets that Keenan Allen is getting, you're kind of keying on that, that kind of open up Austin Eckler later. The last part I want to talk about Larry Roundtree Oh yeah. Had, yeah, Larry Roundtree was our second back on on this in carries. I think he had eight carries, averaged like four point seven yards per carry. Um, that was kind of a nice. I, I made that prediction. I said Larry Roundtree is going to finish with the second most rushing attempts behind Austin Eckler. Right off the bat, it looks already looks like I'm right. You might be the prophet, and I'm just going to go back and eat my words on the guy coming out i really thought looking at his college film that is he struggled with vision and his patience and i thought that was a big part of his game on on sunday he was letting his blocks develop and he was hitting and when the hole was there he hit it hard and i don't know he had i i thought he bounced it when he needed to he hit the hard decisively when he needed to i was really impressed from roundtree's game so i think that the key to beating the cowboys on offense we are just going to pick on their secondary. I, I think that just makes too much sense. It is the weakness of their defense. So on offense, I think that's the key to our game. On defense, it's kind of hard because they have those wide receivers there. The Dak Prescott threw the ball very efficiently. Yeah. But they also, we, we forget that Zeke is still a top back in this league. He is dangerous. So mm-hmm. I think you kind of have to play safe ball a little bit, maybe play off a little bit, keep everything out in front of you. That includes the run game and 
bend but don't break. I think that's the key to winning the game on the defensive side of the ball. For me, for me, it's I would like to create a little more pressure. I would I would like to create a lot more pass rush pressure because against Washington we had seven quarterback hits, pretty good, but only one sack. And if I think if we can't get Dak out of his comfort zone, I, I think he's shown on Thursday he's healthy enough to dissect a defense. And now he's got ten days rest. He's coming off a tough loss. He's going to be hungry and focused. And just as a defense, we need to – if we're going up against a good quarterback, you need to pressure him. You need to make things hard for him. We need to generate more pressure in general, but especially, I think, when we call blitzes. So when Staley dials up those packages, I, we need to make sure the blitz gets home. We need to drop Dak in the backfield because against Tampa, he was lights out when they blitzed him. He had 188 yards. All three of his touchdowns were with, with an extra pass rusher in his face. And that's the exact same unit that demoralized Mahomes back in February. I want to get in his face, make him throw some errant throws, get him off his game a little bit, and and drop him in the backfield for a couple sacks. I want want some more pass rush help from our Chargers pass rushers, which we thought was going to be a pretty potent group coming in. That's the only thing that I kind of disagree on with the the pass rush. We, We... Tampa was not in his face a whole lot, and he was just getting the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. And I think that he has the answer for that. I think that he's got the offensive coordinator that realizes that because uh, Kellen Moore is a pretty damn good offensive coordinator. and uh, I think he's a veteran enough to be able to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly. Uh, I don't want to play super, super safe ball. I do want to throw some blitzes in there, but I, I do want to keep everything in front and make, make him, you know, take away the deep shots um, and and play a little more safe when it comes to the passing game. Uh, maybe give up some of those, you know, underneath routes and come up and make a tackle. I think that's the, where we're going to differ on this. Well, that's fair. That's fair too, because I mean, that's, that's what worked for us this past game. Right. And I talked about it. That was a big thing. I thought we did very well. So yeah, it worked last week. Might as well not. If it worked for us, we don't really need to change things too much. So my whole thing is if we do blitz, we need to make sure they get they get home, I, I guess is my point. I, yeah. I don't want to blitz as much as they do, but when we do, we got to make sure we get them. Because like I said, like those numbers show, he was good. He was good against the Bucks. This is the first home game at SoFi Stadium. I'm excited. I'll be at the game. Uh, I'll be at Thunder Alley. If you see me, come say hi. If you know what I look like. If you don't, (laughs) if you just listen to the podcast on air. Plug your Twitter handle. I don't know. Listen listen to my voice. (laughs) But let's show out. This is going to be the first home game. I'm really looking forward to seeing the turnout, to seeing the fans. Uh, let's have some fun at this game. And if you're a Chargers fan, don't get any fights at the game. Let's yeah. let's, let's be better. For- the Rams, the Rams home games have already off to a bad start. Same stadium. Let's have some class. I'm really looking forward to to seeing all of us in the stadium at our first home game, yeah. a real home game. Let's just have some fun, you guys. We we. Well, it really is a family, a family over here. So I don't want to see any of my family members getting yeah. booted from the stadium game one. So let's save that. Let Dallas fight it out. They're going to be upset. 
look at our team, look at their team. They're going to be a little jealous. And I think shout out to all of the fans that all of our Charger fans that traveled to Washington, because I, I saw a lot of blue jerseys. I saw a lot of smiling Charger fans over there for a, a team that doesn't have a fan base. I thought we traveled really well. And I think we did. We did travel really well. And people were, everybody was talking about how good of a turnout we had mm-hmm. at a stadium that's on the opposite side of the country. And, and but then the only thing I kind of want to, you know, give as like a bit of a warning there's a lot of blue jerseys at Tampa in that Tampa game, the unveiling of their Super Bowl uh, banners. So Dallas travels well too. There's going to be a lot of Dallas fans. Stay away from them if you could avoid them. We're going to have a fun time. Just and if keep... you do get in a fight, win. Please just win. <laughs> just just win, okay? <laughs> Sean Merriman says win. Thank you and guys maybe he'll so put much. You in the ring. Maybe. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys next week. This is the Shock Therapy Podcast with Tyler Lawrence and Zach Alfers. Bolt up.